0: Well, good evening, good evening, we got to get started, we got a lot to cover this evening and uh, I almost ran out of time last week, so I don't want to do that again, so let me do a quick recap, this is week three, so uh, we've been through a couple and each of these, you know, if you know somebody that might want to come and they say, well, you're already into week three and I missed the other two, tell them not to worry about it because they are all standalone, you can come into any one of these and it's standalone and you'll get something out of it. And you can also go back and listen to the other previous ones, so don't let that stop you or anyone else. So we'll do a quick recap. First night, we talked about the fact that it's important to ask the right questions, because if you ask the wrong questions, you tend to get the wrong answers. And so many people ask the question, well, how can I learn to live with my spouse? That's the wrong question, because it'll give you some really shallow, let's just do what we have to to get by kind of answers. The question you really need to be asking is how to live for your spouse, because that'll give you a deeper, a richer answer. It'll give you an answer that will give you a lot more mileage. And so that's what we've called this series, this six-part series called How to Live Not Just With Your Spouse, but How to Live For Your Spouse. And in our first session, we said this. We said, husbands need to lead like the king, not like a king, not dominant. But the king who laid down his life, who sacrificed his life for us, gave himself up for us. That's how husbands need to lead. But wives need to submit, not like a servant, not like somebody who's lesser than or someone who's mindless or someone who's not as valuable. They need to submit like a queen. And we said that this is what that means. Submission is being an equal partner who is willing to let go of some personal rights, which, when it's helpful, when it's needful, when it's safe, in order to demonstrate a trusting loyalty to Christ and to their spouse. That's submission. That's way different than just you're under me and you have to do what I say. So that's kind of a really quick overview of the first session. And then in the second session, we gave husband and wives the same instruction. In the first one, they had different instructions. Lead like the king. And submit like a queen. But the instruction was the same for husbands and wives last week. And it was this. Help them feel special. Both husbands and wives need to help their spouse feel special. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is even though both of them are supposed to do that, you do that in different ways. There's different ways that make a wife feel special and the different ways that make a husband feel special. So we started with wives... And we said, wives help their husbands feel special by showing them respect. That is really important for a husband. And they take a lot of hits anyway out in the world. So if they come home and take a lot of hits, it's not good for us. And so we said, this is how you do it. You do it by expressing admiration and appreciation. It's a sad deal when oftentimes we will... Praise our children more than we will praise our spouse My uh I I have a couple granddaughters living with me and they have cats if you know me, you know, I hate cats I hate cats. I cannot say that enough. I hate cats But now I have two and my wife is thrilled because she loves cats and she wants cats there and uh I swear, I've, told, I've said this out loud in my house. If I got as much love and attention as that cat got, things would be way different around here. And you know what? She hasn't taken the hint yet. But we need, we need admiration. We need appreciation. We need to be given encouragement. There's an old saying that how do you know if someone needs to be encouraged? Check and see if they're breathing. If they're breathing, they need encouragement. Right? We need to be showing, wives need to show their husbands trust and confidence. They need to show them that there's confidence. Now, granted, they may have done some dumb stuff that shakes your confidence a little bit, right? But they still need to feel like you have trust and confidence in them. And they need to feel like wives are expressing a desire for them. Yes, a desire for them to come home and do some stuff around the house, absolutely. But even a desire outside and inside the bedroom. That's important for husbands. And when that doesn't happen, it hits them personally right where they live. But then we said husbands. The way husbands are to make their spouse feel special, husbands make wives feel special by showing them love. And we gave you some really practical ways to do that. Time. You show them love by showing them time. I I remember having... uh, couple in my office one time and they were struggling spending time together because they didn't like to do the same stuff and one day they came in and said we got it figured out I said really what he likes to fish I like to read so I go out fishing with him and I sit in the sun and read in the boat while he fishes it works out great for both of us whatever I knew one one wife that would go out and sit in the garage listen to music read or something just sit in the garage while the husband worked on the car it's time it's time we need husbands need to show love through time through attention through putting her first through the little courtesies some it's, it's amazing how the longer we stay together the more we forget to say thank you or please or open doors or all those little courtesies surprises the pleasant ones but surprises is a good way to show your, your wife you love her. Assuming responsibility for planning things. Don't say, well, yeah, we can go on a date night. You find a sitter for the kids. You make arrangements to do that. You gas up the car. You know, you have everything ready, and I'll be glad to go. That's not good. We need to take responsibility for planning and responsibilities. Asking how you can help her and then doing it. If you ask how you can help her and then you don't do it, you just set yourself back. You're better not to ask. But ask how you can help her and then do that. Practicing their love language, giving them physical affection that does not lead to sex. That's important. I know it's hard, guys, but physical affection that doesn't lead to sex and Accepting and adapting to their differences rather than convincing them that they need to change. These are all ways that husbands show their wives love. Okay, so that carries us through the first and the second session. So tonight, tonight we're going to be talking about communication. And as I say the word, I can almost feel the husbands in the room slumping in their chair and rolling their eyes, right? It happens all the time. I have couples come in. I have husbands and wives. Well, I started say I have husbands and wives come into my counseling office. I have wives who come into my counseling office and husbands who are drug into my counseling office. That's how it works a lot of times. And I watch this play out every time. And they're sitting on the couch. And if they're not too bad, they're sitting on the same couch. Sometimes they're sitting on separate couches. And I'll say, what brings you in? The wife invariably will say, we really need to work on our communication. And I've seen husbands literally turn away from them and go, ah, you know? So guys, relax. It's not gonna be that kind of thing tonight, all right? But we still need to talk about it because communication is one of the top three issues that marriages struggle with. And, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's still true. Communication issues... Are that high on the ladder, and so many problems in marriages could either be stopped or they continue to be fueled by problems with communication. And I know it's become very cliche to say, oh, well, we need to work on our communication. We have communication issues, all that. I know it's cliche, but tonight, let's just be practical. We're not gonna beat anybody up with stuff, we're gonna be really practical, because communication's hard. Tell me, what are some of the problems with communication in marriage? The, assuming, someone knows what you're thinking or feeling. assuming someone knows what you're thinking or feeling you're going to hear me say this in a little bit but if you're married long enough you probably do know what they're thinking and feeling but you should never assume you do all right so yeah that kind of can't you read my mind i mean don't you know what i'm thinking <laughs> yeah, that's a, I've seen that that's a great meme where husbands and wives are laying in bed once they're turned back to back She thinks he doesn't love her because he's not talking and he's thinking about why won't the motor start. Yeah Mind reading always get you in trouble. What are some of the other co- problems in communication in marriage? Get yeah, people get defensive easily take things personally exactly I do anyway. The rest of you may not, but I do. Someone else? Yes? He's been at work all day doing his thing and thinking all of that. She's changing diapers and doing all that. What have they got to talk about? Yeah, so if they're apart all day and he's working and she's changing diapers, they don't have anything to talk about. Go ahead. Okay so People take something yep. and they put it a filter before they and that's very that was helpful to me Yeah one of the big problems in communication is we tend to filter messages through our own experience or or, or through what we think someone else Not being an active listener and spending too much time thinking about your response rather than what they're saying. Yeah, we're going to get into that. That gets you in trouble a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Thinking you told them something and you didn't. Because we have these conversations in our head and we just all assume that they've come out our mouth and they don't always do that. Husbands and wives could benefit a lot. It could be a little risky, but they could benefit a lot by taking the conversation in their head and getting it out their mouth. Especially guys, we're really bad about that. Just more on that in a minute. Let me give you, kind of generalize, some general problems with communication in a marriage. First, there's miscommunication, okay? That's not communicating clearly. It's mixed messages, you know, leaving things out, uh, saying one thing, doing another, that's miscommunication. You know, I told you this. No, you told me everything but that. You left that piece out. You know, uh, mixed messages. Well, sure, it's fine if you want to go play golf. That's a kind of a mixed message, right? Part of it says yes, part of it says no. Uh, so that's one. Misinterpretation Not hearing and understanding clearly Assuming that they're saying one thing And they're not uh, and, and to get around that You just have to check what you heard You have to check I am very frequently at my house I, My wife will say something to me And I'll say Are you mad at me? And most of the time she'll say no Once in a while she is But most of the time she'll say no and so I misread something. And she'll say, why do you think that? And then we'll have to go through that back and forth until we figure that out. Misinterpretation. Lack of communication. This happens when you fail to communicate. You withdraw. You shut down. Uh, you hold pieces of information out because you don't want to upset somebody. That's a lack of communication. And then loaded communication. Toned sarcasm, name-calling, nonverbal cues, watch your tone. Again, that's why I usually think my wife is mad at me because she has a tone of voice. She doesn't mean anything by it. She inherited it from her mom, but it's a tone of voice. And, uh, you know, I got to be really good friends with her mom after years and years and years of being married to her daughter. It took a while, but, uh, she used to have a tone of voice that she could say the most benign thing and it sounded like she was on the attack. And, uh, and I didn't realize that's what was going on in our marriage until one day I did one of those, why are you so mad at me? And she goes, I'm not, where'd you get that? And all of a sudden the light bulb went on, I'm listening to a tone of voice. And that's part of the loaded communication. And, but it doesn't help if you say, but I don't have a tone of voice. If they're reacting to a tone of voice, you probably do. You may not mean it. You may not intend it. But there is one. and You've got to figure out what that is. So, so those are some problems with communication. So before we go any further, we need to define what good communication is. That's the problems with it. We need to define good communication. Give me your definition of good communication. Being honest and, Being honest and what? Upfront. Being honest and upfront. Okay. Okay. Someone else, your definition of good communication. Yes. So, good communication is when you know when the, when the period comes. Right. Okay. And I've tried to emulate that in watching him do that. Okay. In the back. So, when you say something and the other person repeats it back to you, and you can check out if they, it's, that's called drive through communication. That's what you do in a drive through. You pull up to the speaker, they say, How can I help you? So, you tell them exactly what you want. And then they repeat back what you told them. And if they got it wrong, you correct them. And then once they've got it right, then they tell you what they need from you. I need 10 bucks. And then you say, okay, and they tell you what to do next. And you drive up to the window. That's drive-through communication. It sounds kind of clunky, a little cheesy, but that's, that's drive-through communication. In Stephen's ministry training, mm-hmm. where they teach you to counsel and people, that's a big stressor. Yes. We're going to we're, we'll get to some of that. Anybody else? Yes. Good communication is once the emotion has left the argument and then you start uh, coming together, and coming up to so, so you get to, So you get to good communication once you get past the loaded emotions. Yeah, yeah. and you get past that and then everybody can kind of communicate better. Yeah. Yes. In our household, we call that the Forrest Gump communication. You know, Forrest Gump saying, well, that's all I got to say about that. Practicing the Forrest Gump communication. That's all I got to say. Yeah. (laughs) I had a, my my oldest daughter, when she was a teenager and we were doing battle, uh, she always wanted to have the last word. And I'm thinking, I'm the dad. I pay the mortgage. I feed you. I provide your car, you don't get the last word. I get, and man, we would do battle and it would just go on forever. And finally, I realized that if this kid doesn't get the last word, her head will explode. And so we got to that place where, okay, when I was done, I'm saying, I'm done. You can have the last word. She'd have the last word and we would be finished, but at least we knew we were done. So yeah, the force method of communication. Anyone else want to take a crack at defining good communication? You've got to be a good listener. No filibusters. (laughs) You know, if we go long enough, you're going to steal all my thunder, we can go home, so. um, Which might not be a bad idea. Let me give you a really simple version of communication. Because communication is like a two-lane highway. There's traffic goes one direction, someone's listening, traffic that goes the other direction, someone speaking. I mean, that's basic communication. Someone listens, someone speaks. So, here's a definition of good communication. Good communication has two parts. Hearing what's really being said. That word really is really important. Hearing what's really being said and saying what you really mean. You need both of those or communication goes off off the rails you need to be able to hear what's really being said and say what you really mean now sounds simple enough right but why is that so difficult I'm sorry feeling your feelings get hurt absolutely what else makes that difficult Yeah, this is the person you love the most. And so one of two things can happen when you love this person. One, they've lived with you long enough, they have all the goods on you. I mean, they can cut you to the quick like that because they know you that well. So that's, a, that's risky. That's a problem. And the other risky thing is you don't want to hurt them unnecessarily because, one, it's going to take you a long time to make up for that. I mean, you're going you're to pay for that. And you don't want to do it anyway. And so it it feels very risky sometimes, this communication thing does. Here's some reasons communication is difficult because it takes effort. It takes some effort to communicate well. Everybody thinks this communication, even this marriage thing, should just come natural, just be easy. But it's not, it takes a lot of effort. And uh, people come into my office and say, you know what, marriage is so hard, what's wrong with us? I said, nothing, you're normal. Join the rest of us, we're having to work really hard at it too. Communication not only takes effort, it's affected by what you learn. You learn how to communicate. Maybe you learned it from the home you were growing up in. The, the, if you grew up in a home where everybody communicated at high decibels, then that's how you think you communicate. If you grew up in a home where everybody just shut down and withdrew and nobody dealt with anything, that's how you communicate. You learn it from the family you grew up in. You learn it from your peers. You learn it at work. We just learn how to communicate, right or wrong. And then one of the biggies, gender differences. There are absolutely gender differences. God created us male and female, and uh, he wired us differently. He plumbed us differently. Everything about us is different. And you see that a lot in communications. There's some exceptions to this. I'm not trying to be sexist here, but some exceptions to this. But wives are typically more verbally tuned than husbands are. I mean, they really are. Uh, I'll never forget one day. It was a rainy day, and I was cutting through our gym to to go somewhere. And uh, all the kids were inside in the gym playing because it was raining. And I looked, and all the boys are like, Madmen, they're everywhere running, throwing stuff, chasing each other. But the girls were sitting in circles talking. That's a gender difference, guys and gals. It just really is. Uh, man, I'll never forget that. Wives typically have larger vocabularies than we do. I know that sounds bad, there's exceptions, but typically, <laughs> and even their nonverbals are really good, right? Uh, and they typically use more words than husbands do. And, and actually, wives have more connectors between the hemispheres of their brain, which means that they can multi-switch much easier than, we, than husbands can. Yeah, it's a big problem in communication. So, we know that communication can be difficult Why is it so important? Here's why talking about communication in marriage is so important. Because communication is the corridor to your spouse's heart. It really is. It's a corridor to their heart and a corridor to greater relational intimacy. This is how you get closer is through communication. So tonight, last week we started with wives. Let's start with husbands this week, okay? Uh, Guys, I have this sign hanging outside my office door. Right before you go into my office, there's this sign. No man is truly married until he understands every word his wife is not saying. All right, let that sink in. You're not really married until you can understand those words she's not saying. And there's lots of things she's not saying. And we have to get better at that. If we're going to learn to live with our spouse, that's one thing. But if you're going to learn to live for your spouse, then you've got to not only lead like the king, you've got to not only help them feel special, but you need to, here it is, drum roll, listen longer and speak deeper. Husbands, we need to listen longer and speak deeper and you need to do it in that order. If you do it in the other order, it's not as good. If you really want to get this well, you do it in that order. You listen longer first, and then you speak deeper. So let's start with the first one, the listen longer. Scripture seems to bear this out. Listen to Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Man, this just nailed me. I cannot tell you how many times this has nailed me. Let's be honest, guys, how many of you in the midst of having a "quote unquote" discussion with your wife, while she's talking, the only thing you're really listening for is a place where she takes a breath so you can jump in and tell her why she's not right. Been there? And what goes through your head is, are they never going to stop talking? I mean, they've been going on, I need, when is my turn, right? That's where this passage comes in. If you've read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, here's how he puts it. Scripture came up with it first. Here's how he puts it. First, seek to understand, and then be understood. That's, That's this Proverbs passage right here. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinions. You have to listen long. Let me give you another passage from Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If you give an answer before you hear, that's your folly and shame. Again, husbands, how many of our wives have started talking, and before they finish the sentence or finish their thought, we've interrupted them because we're sure we know how to take care of whatever it is they're talking about. That's the violation of that passage right there. I, I know it seems inefficient, guys. It seems inefficient to wait until the end of a sentence, right? I mean, if you already know what they're going to say, it's inefficient to have to wait to the end of the sentence, right? But let me just tell you, you will always lose by assuming that you know what your wife's going to say. And this goes back to actually for both husbands and wives. Um... I tell couples all the time, I said this earlier, you should know your spouse so well you pretty much know what they're thinking and what they're going to say. But you should never, ever, 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 ever assume you do. Because even if you get it right, they're going to be defensive and tell you you're wrong. It's just the way human nature works. Listen to what it says in James. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I've heard it put this way before God gave you two ears and one mouth, you should use them in that proportion. That's a pretty good way to remember it. Uh, So, how, guys, can we learn to listen longer? Let's start with what we don't do if we want to listen longer. Don't interrupt. We just talked about that, so I won't belabor this, but just know that when you interrupt your spouse and you show them, you you end up showing them great disrespect, great disregard, which makes things even harder. Don't interrupt your spouse. If you say, I have to interrupt because otherwise I'll never get a chance to talk, we'll deal with that in a little bit, okay? I understand that complaint. We'll deal with that in a little bit. Don't interrupt. Don't fix we men, so many of us, we're really bad about this because we tend to be fixers. And, and when our wives come to us with a problem or something that's upsetting them or something they're up angry about, we automatically assume they're bringing it to us because they want us to fix it, which is, could not be further from the truth. Uh, I remember my wife, when she was working, she would come home and she had this problem at work. And she'd come home and she would start talking about this problem. And she's emotional and she's upset and she's mad and she's going on. And I'm trying to listen. I'm the counselor. I'm supposed to be listening. I'm trying to listen. But eventually, she gets done talking and I think she's done. I think it's the Forrest Gump thing. I think she's done. And so I say, you know what, dear? I think if you did X, Y, and Z, I think that will take care of the problem. And she looks at me, and I think, I'm getting through to her. And then she opens her mouth and starts repeating everything she just said. And so when she takes another breath, I say, I'm telling you, dear, if you'll do X, Y, and Z, that will take care of the problem. And she just stops talking, and I think, hey, I got through to her. Silly me. Until the next night, she comes home from work, and she's talking about the same thing, and now I have even less patience. And then I interrupt her. And, and the conversation ends really quickly, and we don't talk the rest of the night, because she's just mad now. And finally, one night, she sat down and wanted to talk about a work problem, but before she did, she said this. I want to talk about this thing that's going on at work, but I don't want you to fix it. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to sit there and look at my face while I bounce words off of your face. And I went, well, I can do that things went a lot better. Because guys, typically what we do is we take in all the data and we roll it around in our head and we piece it together and we analyze it, we figure out how it fits and when we have the answer, that's what comes out of our mouth, the bottom line. Our wives do the same thing. They just do it out loud, right? And and so do not try to fix. Do not try to evaluate. You know, wives tend to, pr- again, exceptions, I'm not trying to be overly generalistic here, but, but wives tend to approach things emotionally. We tend to approach things rationally. And so, wives, please don't take offense to this. This is just our, kind of our go-to. We try to think through, through rationally. And, and, again, I don't mean this in a 1950s kind of know-your-place kind of way. That's just kind of how we're wired more often than not. And if it's different in your house, you have a gender flip. My wife and I have a gender flip in the house. I'm more the girl. She's more the guy. Problems are still the same. And, and so, so often, wives will start talking about something and husbands will jump into evaluation mode even before we know what you're going to talk about or whether you want us to even evaluate it. So, don't do that. Don't defend. There, there may be only one who does this, but... or or rather I may be the only one who does this, but when my wife says we need to talk, I automatically assume I'm in trouble. You know, I start racing through my head, what have I done? Those words, we need to talk, those are fearsome words, folks, just telling you. And then I get defensive immediately. I'm already trying to figure out how I can defend myself, and I don't even know what she's going to tell me. Do not defend yourself. You don't have to. This is not about who wins or who loses. This is about simply... Being able to communicate. Uh, So don't do that. When When you're trying to defend yourself, you're not really listening anyway. And then, don't persuade. Persuading is not the same thing as compromise. It sounds like, you know, if you're trying to persuade them, you're trying to find a compromise. No, persuading is not. Persuading is a veiled attempt to get your way. It's a veiled attempt to get your way. And we'll talk more about this in other sessions. But it communicates that what your spouse is talking about is not really that important to you if you're trying to persuade them into something different. And so consequently, persuading doesn't facilitate a two-way conversation. In conflict, if all you have, if you're in a conflict in marriage and if all you have is her way and your way, you don't have enough ways. So if all you have is a his way and a her way, you need to throw both of those out and start with something different that's how you get to that so husbands those are the things you don't do here are the things we do do or should do rather focus on them rather than yourself very hard for all of us to do focus on themselves rather than yourself on them rather than you you got to get rid of distractions, guys. Uh, Turn off the TV. Turn off the electronics. When my wife and I go to a restaurant, if I really want to focus on her, I have to sit with my back to the door because I'm a people watcher. It's the counselor in me. My wife and I were at dinner one time, and I go, did you see that over there? She goes, what? I said, "They're, they're having a fight. Did you see that? She said, would you stop being the counselor? So I have to sit with my back to the door. I have to sit with my back to the TV. Otherwise, I'm watching TV. And that's getting harder and harder to do in a restaurant style. Uh, but you've got to cut out the distractions. Put the kids to bed earlier. Most people are not putting their kids to bed early enough anyway. They're letting them stay up much late. And then they say, well, we just never have time together. Put them to bed earlier. They will fuss. They will get over it. Right? Get rid of some of the distractions. Now, don't get rid of your kids. Just put them to bed earlier. Okay? Probably better clarify that one. Uh, turn your body towards them. Look them in the eye. Watch their body language. Listen to their tone. Connie Plummer, who used to be our children's minister here, she had this great saying, I've never forgot it. I need you to listen to me with your face. You know? Because if I'm channel surfing on TV and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm mm I'm not listening. I need to look at her with my face. Okay? Occasionally respond so she knows you're listening. You know, and, and so she knows you're trying, which means you can't go off to the Bahamas in your head. You have to listen. All right. So focus on them. Feedback what you hear. All right. First of all, you got to feedback what they're saying, the content. You know, you, you've got to listen because they may ask you a question. And if you blow it, they know you're not listening. So you got to listen to the content. What is it they're actually trying to say? Listen to details, listen to dilemmas, listen to difficulties. Don't check out, listen to the content. But that's not enough, guys. We can't just listen to the content. We can't just listen to what they're saying. We've got to listen to what they're not saying. That means you've got to listen to some feelings and some emotions. The most important part of communication is not necessarily what's being said, but it's the emotion behind what's being said. And it's really, really important. It's the heart of communication. If you focus just on the content, you'll miss what they're really trying to tell you. For instance, if I come home from work and I hear my wife slam the refrigerator door and says, there's nothing in this house to eat. Does that mean she wants me to get in the car and go buy groceries? No, it means she wants to go out and eat. That's why she didn't say it. Would it be easier if she did? But I need to read what's behind the words, right? For instance, guys, I came across this somewhere. Uh, Here are words you need to understand, husbands. The word fine, all right? This is the word that women use to end an argument when they are right and you need to shut up. This is it. Fine, okay? It's not what it, you think it means. Fine should mean something different. It doesn't mean that. Here's another one. Five minutes. If she's getting dressed, this is a half an hour. But it's five minutes, really five minutes, if you've been given five minutes to watch the game and then get up and help around the house. It's really five minutes then. So it kind of depends upon your context. The word nothing. This is the calm before the storm, right? Right? nothing is the calm before the storm this means something doesn't mean nothing nothing means something and you should be on your toes arguments begin with nothing and they end with fine right so pay attention to that this one go ahead husbands this is not permission it's a dare don't do it if they say go ahead don't all right Just, we'll get, now this next one's not a word, but you'll understand. The loud sigh, right? This is actually not a word, but it's a nonverbal statement. And here's what it means. A loud sigh means she's thinking you're an idiot and wonders why she's wasting her time standing here arguing with you over nothing, right? It's just how this works. Maybe it's just my house. I don't know. This phrase, that's okay, This is one of the most dangerous statements your wife will ever make. That's okay means that she wants you to think long and hard before deciding how and when you will pay for your mistake. (laughs) just telling you. The next one's really tricky. This is the last one. It's really tricky. The word thanks. Now, thanks can truly mean thanks for something you did. Or it can mean thanks for your lack of help and making more work for me around here. And it's really important that you know which one's which, all right? This is just how it works. We all say things that we don't mean, and there's something else behind them. It's part of that kind of loaded communications thing we were talking about. So all that fits under feedback what you hear. So if your wife says, fine, maybe what you need to say is not get up and go do what you want to do. Maybe what you need to say is, I don't know, man, you sound upset. Let's talk about this. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe that's the feedback. You sound upset. I'm not. I'm fine. Maybe, but I can't risk getting in trouble here. Maybe that's the feedback, okay? So you got to feedback what you hear. Next, invite them to tell you more. Now I can hear the guys groaning. Uh, You know, you got to be kidding because she's already talking longer than I can track with her with. And now you want me to tell her, ask me, tell me more? If, if my wife, well, let me back up. I'll save that story. When you ask your spouse, tell me more, one, it shows you're interested, shows you're willing to put yourself on hold for them. That speaks volumes. It will also help you make sure you know what she's saying before you jump out there and get a foot in your mouth. You know, So tell me more helps you understand that. And by the way, uh, if she wants to know what you think, that is not an invitation for you to jump in and tell her what you think. It's an invitation to say, tell me more about it. Now, you may think that's going to be torturous for you, and it may be. But it'll make your marriage better. And, and wise, by the way, this goes both ways. This one goes both ways. Uh, it's a good approach to use with anyone, family, friends. Just say, tell me more. Ask appropriate questions. Ask open-ended questions. Not, how was your day, but what was the best part of your day? Not, did you see such and such today, but tell me who you saw today. Don't volley a question to them that they can answer with a one-word answer. When my wife asks how my day was, I have like four responses. It was good, it was fine, busy, hectic. You know, just those responses. It doesn't help her or me, either one. So, open-ended questions. Don't ask leading or loaded questions. Let me give you an example of a leading and loaded questions. Do you know what you did wrong? That's a loaded question. That's a leading question. Don't ask questions to which you've given the answer in the question, all right? How can we not invite my family to this event? That's a loaded question. So ask appropriate questions. These are ways, guys, that you listen longer. Man, I'm going to run out of time. But we haven't gotten to the second piece. Not just listen longer, you have to speak deeper. Speak deeper. Whereas listening longer gets to your wife's heart, speaking deeper is about your heart. And guys, we're terrible at this. Usually, we've got to do this better. Here's what the Bible says about speaking deeper. I'll give you some really quick ones. Proverbs 4:23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Or this one. Proverbs 27:19. As in, as in water, as I think I've got misquoted this. As water, as, as in water, face reflects face. So the heart of a man reflects the man. I'm going to give you one more, and I'll tell you what these have to do with this. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. These, these talk about our heart, our growth. And that's why these are so important. Guys, we have a tendency to, to use an economy of words. The least amount of words we have to use. But let me tell you why that's so important. Here's why wives want to hear more from us. Because they want to connect with their husband's heart. That's it. They want to connect. They're asking you questions not to badger you. They want to connect with you. And if you just give them these short one-word answers, it's like, I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting you in. And that gets us nowhere. That gets our marriage nowhere. And so, these passages infer to the fact that the heart is what's really important. So, let me show you what I mean by speaking deeper. And uh, there's a concept I picked up in Gary Smalley's book, Secrets to Lasting Love. It's a really, I'm a visual learner, and he had this visual in there that really stuck with me. Here are the levels of communication. Cliches. Here's cliches. How was your day? Fine. You know, what's the weather going to be? You know, Did the kids do all right in school? Yeah, it's all cliches. Just really, you can say them to anybody and not even pay attention to who you're talking to. Those are cliches. Then it goes a step lower than that. Facts. Did you pick up the groceries? Who's picking up the kids from practice? Those are facts and figures. How much did the lawn cost? How much? Those are facts. But then, you get to this one. Opinions. And this is where it gets dicey, guys and gals. Right here is where so many couples get stopped. Because when you start sharing your opinions, that's when you can start having some conflict. That's when you can start having a disagreement. That's when one of you can look at the other one and think, I can't believe they think that. You know? This is where it has problems. And if you can't push through this, then you bounce back to cliches and facts. And you're, you're, all your communication as husband and wife is just cliches and facts, cliches and facts because you get stumped at the opinion piece. But, if you can push back that, if you can effectively deal with your differences of opinion, then you get to move on to talking about feelings because now you'll feel safe. If you can handle the differences of opinions, then you feel safe enough to share feelings. And if you do that, then you can move on to your needs. And if you can progress through these levels, here's what happens. You reach intimacy. I'm not talking about sex. Those are two different things. You reach intimacy. That's why that is so important. All right. We got to stop there. I was going to ask for comments and questions, but we got to move on. Otherwise, the wives get off the hook and we don't want to let them do that, right? So, let's talk about wives. Wives have to do almost the same thing. Not quite, but almost the same thing. Uh, when it comes to communication, living for your spouse rather than with them, the first part is the same. Both people need to listen longer. But when it comes to wives, as husbands need to listen longer and speak deeper, wives need to listen longer and speak shorter. Just, uh, It's just the way it is. Need to listen longer and speak shorter. Uh, Let's, <laughs> believe me, it wasn't personal, really. Uh, let's start with a big picture of why these two are important. Listening longer is, some of you are thinking, if I listen, again, if I listen longer, then there's going to be a lot of dead air because they're not saying anything anyway, right? So we're just going to sit and stare at one another. And uh, you remember the story I told you, I think, last week about the husband and wife that came in and she complained because he wouldn't talk and yet she used the whole session time talking, you know? And he just needed a kind of a slower on-ramp, you know. Uh, But it's important. Listening longer is important because it provides space. Provides space for him. We don't think on our feet as well as we'd like for you to believe. So we need to think things through. We don't want to say something wrong. We don't want to look dumb. So it gives us a chance to get our thoughts together if you'll provide a space. Uh, Now, I mean... Granted, guys, we can't take so much space that they have to nudge us and see if we're still breathing, right? But, wives, you need to give us some space. Chances are what you want to talk to us about, you've been camping on for a while. You've already thought through it, and all of a sudden we're just getting hit with it. So give us some space. It provides time. It provides time. Complete, it allows us to formulate our sentences uh, help us get over the risk of being wrong. And it provides some safety so that we're not feeling pressured. because verbally and oftentimes relationally, we're a little outgunned. Unless there's a gender flip in your marriage, we're a little outgunned. And so this kind of provides some safety. So scripture seems to back this up. Proverbs ten nineteen: When words are many, transgressions are not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent or Proverbs thirteen three, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. I hope, these, I hope my toes are not the only ones getting stepped on here. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even, I love this, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Scripture seems to tell us we need to kind of leash our words a lot more than we do. We need to pull them back. We need to make sure, because if we don't, then we're not listening longer. And remember, that's the first thing you have to do is listen longer. So, why is speaking shorter so important, ladies? Helps him stay focused. Here's the deal. If you're talking this long, And your husband has to feed back to you what you're saying. He can't do that. So he's going to pick something out of that to feed back. And I'll guarantee you he'll pick the wrong thing. Which will aggravate you. Because you were really talking about this piece over here and he picked this piece. So it helps him stay focused. It helps him track with you. If you're telling him a whole bunch of things, his mind's going over here and then you're talking over here. And and he's not tracking with you. And all you're doing is giving us details to get to a main point. So speaking shorter helps him do that. Speaking shorter helps him process smaller pieces rather than trying to process the whole picture like we said. Uh, Wives, here's what's going on. When you're talking to your husband and you're giving him a big informational download and you're giving him lots of stuff, you think you're helping him by giving him all the details. But you're not, because while you're giving him all the details, in his mind, he's racking his mind saying, what's the point? What's she trying to get at? What's really upsetting her? What's she trying to say? He's looking for the bottom line. So, here's how you can help your husband, ladies, in, when it comes to speaking shorter. Give us the bottom line first. Then we can relax. We're not wondering, okay, did I do something wrong? Is she mad about this? we have the bottom line first, now we can relax. Then you can go back and fill in some of the details. But we can't hear the details because we're still trying to figure out what the bottom line is. Does that make sense? Anybody experience that? Or again, is it just me? I (laughs) I don't know the bottom line. Give us the bottom line first. So, wives, here are some practical suggestions for speaking shorter. We've already talked about listening longer. That pretty much a catches both of us but speaking shorter here it is one allow for non-talk times believe it or not there are times when your husband is not thinking about anything I know you find that hard to believe but like I said the uh, the other week maybe it was last week but that book men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti then there's a box for everything we actually have a not thinking box right and, and you look at us and say, what are you thinking? We go, nothing. And you think, you got to be thinking something. No, we don't. A lot of times, we're just, so allow for some non-talk times. And remember this, just because you're not talking all the time doesn't mean there's something wrong with your marriage. It doesn't. I know the books you read make you think you should be staring into each eyes and talking from your heart all the time. <laughs> no. Why I quit reading a lot of those books. I couldn't measure up to that. It's okay for some non-talk time. Two, learn the difference between silence and slowness. I mean, again, we're kind of, as husbands, we're kind of verbally outgunned by you. You're much better at this than we are. And so, you've got to understand that if we don't speak right away, it doesn't mean we're going silent. It means we're slow which doesn't sound good, but that's what it means. Again, I told you this story about the, the wife and the husband that comes in, and she's going on for like 20, 30 minutes about why he won't talk to her. And then when, he, when she stopped, I turned to him and said, tell me what you think about this. And then we just stared at each other for, I don't know, two or three minutes. You know, and, the, and she'd start saying, eh? And then little by little, words started dribbling out of his mouth. And, 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 and they gained some... And before long, we were having this great conversation. He, he wasn't going silent. He was just slow to get started. He needed an on-ramp. So allow for that. Know the difference between that. Watch your timing. Watch your timing, ladies. I know that a lot of times you've been camping on things all the time, and then you get home and there's meals to fix and kids to take care of, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But nothing good happens from a conversation an important deep conversation nothing good happens from that conversation if it's after nine or ten o'clock I'm just telling you if if you need to discuss something and it's getting late it's getting close to bedtime for somebody then schedule a time to do it say hey I need to talk to you about this I know you're spent I know you're in the middle of the game I know you're want to go to bed I want to schedule a time for us to go out and grab something to eat and talk about this which is helpful for him in multiple ways but he's already when when he's frustrated about something is not a good timing when he's in the middle of something that's important to him that's not watch your timing listen to proverbs 15:23 to make an apt answer is a joy to a man or a woman a word in season hear that in season how good it is. is or ecclesiastes For there is a time and a way for everything. And I think I have the reference maybe wrong on this. Maybe not. Uh, Ecclesiastes 8.6. There is a time and a way for everything. Although man's troubles lie heavy on him. So even when something's lying heavy on you. There is still a time. So watch your timing. Uh, Sometimes it can't be avoided. But if you can watch your timing. Four. Give advance warning when you want to discuss things. Especially if it's something big. Give some advance warning. You know, this gives us time to think. It gives us time to prepare. It lets our adrenaline go down so we're not feeling the fight or flight stuff. Uh, just let us know. And, uh, and you may sometimes, what happens is your husband may say, well, what do you want to talk about? And you may be able to talk about it then, but at least give them some advance warning. Five. Start easy and work your way up to things. You know, it's okay to start with the bottom line first and then gradually work into things. Just don't drop the whole truckload on us because we can't process that. So give us the bottom line and then slowly work up through things. Uh, Six, ask their opinion first. Do not tell them what you think should be done. Ask them first. Because here's what happens. If my wife tells me right up front, I think this is what we ought to do. I only have two options. I have to concede or I have to tell her that I think she's not right. And that doesn't go well. But if she asks me first, we may still be in the same scenario. But I don't feel the pressure because... Again, we husbands were a bit insecure, much more so than you are as wives, and it just puts us on the spot. So, and especially if you're more verbal than your husband, then you, may, you, you get them to go first. Just wait. They'll go. You go first. Ask their opinion first. It keeps them from feeling painted in a corner. Seven, speak in sound bites, not in monologues. I'm gonna give you a way to do that here in a minute. But speak in sound bites. When you speak in a long monologue, it's impossible for us to figure out what's really important and all of that to you. You've got to tell us that. So speak in short chunks. Think of it as a tennis match. You go to a tennis match, the person on one end of the court doesn't start volowing like a million balls over. They, they hit one over the fence, it comes back, they hit another one over the net. that's what conversation is supposed to be. Not a big dump, and then the other one gives a big dump. Small sound bites. Eight. We've talked about this. Watch your tone of voice. Um, I'm going to go through these passages quickly, because we're running out of time. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Watch your tone of voice what's your delivery what's your nonverbals proverbs 15:1 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger proverbs 16:21 the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness or persuasiveness rather and then proverbs 16:24 gracious words are like honeycomb sweetness to the soul and health to the body you can accomplish a lot more by tweaking your tone than trying to get your spouse to understand. And that goes for both husbands and wives. Both husbands and wives. Uh, nine. <clears throat> say what you mean. Say what you... Not, don't be brutally blunt, blunt, but say what you mean. Uh, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 14, 7 through 8. If even lifeless instruments, such as a flute or a harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an an indistinct sound, who will be ready for battle? In other words, people need to understand. Say what you mean. Here's an example. Happens all the time. Where do you want to go to eat? Right? So I'll ask my wife, where do you want to go to eat? She'll say, I don't care. And you know what I've started doing? If she says, no, and I'll say, no, really, where do you want to go to eat? No, I don't care. I'll pick the restaurant she hates the most. <laughs> right? And she'll say, oh, I don't really want to go there. But you said you didn't care. And so next time, tell me what you mean. Gets you in trouble, but sometimes it's worth it, right? And guys, when they say, I don't care, It's probably not what they mean, right? So say what you mean. You don't have to say it mean or rude or crass. Just say what you mean. And finally, number 10. When possible, deliver the truth on a platter, not with a club. This is really important. Deliver the truth on a platter. One of my favorite passages of all time, Ephesians 4.15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. You have to speak the truth, but you have to do it with love. You can't leave one or the other out. Proverbs 18, 19 through 20. Brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and a quarreling is like the bars on a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yields of his lip. Deliver the truth on a platter, not with a club. So wives, here's the bottom line. If you want to listen longer, And speak shorter, you are to first draw them out, not drag them out. Draw them out, not drag them out. Proverbs, you see the passage there, Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man or a woman or a wife of understanding will draw it out. Draw it out. And then the second thing you need to do is make them hungry. Not hungry for the next meal, but hungry for a closer relationship with you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. All right? So, we're out of time for comments and questions, and I hate that because I always love those. But let me give you some homework. Nothing to pick up, no handouts. Here's the homework. First, we said husbands should listen longer and talk deeper, and wives should listen longer, and talk shorter. This week, I want you to look at your piece and figure out which one of those two is the hardest for you. Is it the listening longer? Wives, or is it the talking shorter? Or husbands, is it listening longer? Is it talking deeper? Whichever one is the hardest for you, that's what I want you to practice this week. Do not tell your spouse when you're doing it because all that means is, hey, pat me on the back. Don't do that. Just practice it and see what happens. Work on it. Okay, that's homework one. Homework number two is a little different. It's going to require you to go to Amazon. (laughs) I want you to go to Amazon. Some of you who know me know this routine. I want you to go to Amazon and purchase a 30-second sand timer. All right? Just 30 seconds. And when it comes in, some of you are smiling because you've heard this before. Um, Here's how it works. When you need to talk, Whether it's about something really important or you just need to talk.